0: to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want
1: to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out his freedom. Psalm 133, a song of ascents of David. How good and pleasant it is, When brothers live together in unity, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Hi, my name is Maddie. I'm going to be reading to you from Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 47 this evening, which is on page 1079 on the Pew Bible. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone who was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, Selling their possessions and goods, they gave as to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved.
0: I want to take you back in time a bit to the 90s. Uh, when I was in my teens, and it was the time when friends ruled the airwaves. Um, for the, do you guys know Friends? Am I, I'm just not sure the generation gap. I know I'm getting old when I have to define my pop culture references, but Friends was an archetypal 90s TV show, right? If, um, for those who don't know it before Big Bang Theory or Community, any of those, Friends was a show about six friends who basically hung out all the time in the same flat. Uh, they were all one another's best friends. They would get in fights, but by the end of the episode they would all make up and be best friends again. Essentially, they were a mini-community, a community unto themselves. One of the messages of the show being that if you have friends like these, nothing can tear them apart. But one of the things that sticks with me about that show was uh, not actually the show, but this ad in the personal section of a newspaper that kind of got picked up, that got reported on. And it said this, Are there any people out there who could come and watch Friends with me? So I would have friends while I watch Friends. Now that kind of stuck with me, not to make fun of that person or that ad, because actually I think it's something we've all felt a bit at times. I see this thing on the screen, this beautiful vision of friendship, and my life here does not match that. Even as my mind knows that it won't look exactly like that, that uh, my friends aren't as good-looking as Jennifer Aniston, for one. No offense, friends. But my heart wants that sort of intimacy that I see on the screen. And I don't think that kind of loneliness has gotten better in 2018. We hear calls for community all the time. How can we create community? How can we be a better community? I've never met somebody yet who says, I've just got too much community. I've got too many deep, genuine relationships. I've got too many deep friendships, people that I can really be vulnerable with. Because that's what community is, a space that we can be vulnerable with each other and be accepted. Uh, I heard this problem explained recently as the paradox of vulnerability. The paradox of vulnerability. You've probably heard of Brené Brown, a researcher into shame and with millions of views on her TED talk. And she explained it like this. She's talking about meeting someone for the first time and she says, the very first thing I look for in you is vulnerability. And the very last thing I want to show you is my vulnerability. The very first thing I look for in you, vulnerability, the very last thing I want to show you is my vulnerability. See, we desire this sort of emotional intimacy, this sense of being vulnerable with. Someone that you can show your deepest thoughts, your deepest feelings, your deepest fears, and not have them turn away, not have them take advantage of your vulnerability. What if you see me as I am and then don't want to care for me anymore? And into this problem, into this paradox, we come to a look at Acts. Because I think, on first glance, looking at Acts is a bit like it's watching Friends. It seems almost too utopian, too idyllic. We'll primarily be looking at verses 42 to 47. You might like to have it open. there. And you might have noticed as we were reading in it that, well, this church seems amazing how can our church look more like this there's learning and eating and breaking of bread there's wonders and signs and this incredible generosity there's constant companionship and communion with one another from the temple to their homes so they can eat and be thankful Uh, such a joyous presence in 47 that others come and see and say how can we be part of that too the first thing to notice is that this isn't just a isolated incident in Acts, but it's something that actually keeps happening in these early chapters. Luke writes in the structure where Peter preaches, so he preaches in Acts 2, the early part of Acts 2, and then we have this report of community life. And then Acts 4, Peter preaches, and then we have another report of the community life. Acts 5, apostles get thrown into jail for preaching, and he preaches, and then we have Acts 6, a report of their community life. That is, there's an inevitability to Christian community. If you hear the gospel, you'll want to be in community with people who have heard the same thing. The one leads to the other. And I've heard people say, I'm a Christian, but I just, I don't go to church. And at some level, you have to say, there's something not quite right with that statement. I understand there are times when people have been hurt by church, and that's a terrible thing. And it is true that the most important thing is that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But one of the main ways God gives us to maintain that relationship is the relationships around us. That's what we see in Acts. Now, there's four other things that I'm going to run through fairly quickly. Four characteristics that I think we can glean from this passage. One, their devotion to teaching. Two, their generous provision. Three, their consistent fellowship. And fourth, their prayers and praise. Firstly, their devotion to teaching. Uh, in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is, the apostles were telling all these new converts what Jesus had told them, how Jesus had walked with them and ate with them, how Jesus said that he would die and in three days rise again. And can you imagine the wonder in these new converts' eyes? Did Jesus really say that? Did Jesus really heal the blind? Imagine the Hunger to hear the words that Jesus had said to his friends to work out how to live the new life that they were living. I wonder if you consider yourself to be devoted to teaching, devoted to scripture. You know how I know that someone is devoted to something? Let's say you're devoted to a new Netflix show. I know you're devoted to that because it'll just come bursting out in conversation. Have you seen the new, even if the conversation's only tangentially related, you'll find a way to squeeze it in. It's really good. Well, it takes a few episodes to get going, and I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's great twist at the end. Anyway, you've got to watch it. And it seems to me I've had lots of those conversations, but I can't recall the last time somebody talked to me about what they had learned in the scriptures, the way that they talked to me about the new hot netflix show did you read in acts what that jesus was raised to life and he's preaching to the people who crucified jesus can you imagine peter preaching those words anyway you've got to read it for yourself we've had this refrain throughout the series uh, what the heart loves the will chooses and the mind justifies our hearts love not being bored and so we open up Facebook instead of the Bible app and our mind justifies it, saying, I'll just check it for a couple of minutes and I'll read the Bible before I go to bed because that always works so well. What the heart loves, the will chooses and the mind justifies. And do you know one of the most powerful ways to change what somebody loves? It's to spend time with people who love something, to spend time in a community. The question for us as a community It's as people get to know us, as they come in from outside and get to know us and spend time with us, as they see what we love, as they get to know more of what we love, are they getting to know Netflix, our hobbies, or are they getting to know that we love Jesus? Secondly, did you notice the generosity of this community? It's in verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. It's not that they sold everything that they had. We see later on in Acts that some kept property. Uh, It's just that they sold property when they needed to. Here's the outrageous first century idea. They treated people as more important than property. Here's the 21st century idea. We think property is more important than people. And did you notice the way that they give? No regard to, you'll owe me this later or pay me back with interest. There's no pride in the transaction. No sense of, I could ask for help, but maybe somebody needs it more. No sense of, I'm too proud to ask for help even though I really need it. They sell and they give. I'm really glad that we do things like simple love. Uh, I know there are many ways that people are generous with their time and their money beyond what I know, and that's a good thing. But my suspicion is, My suspicion is that as a society, choked by the weeds of what's around us, our generosity has gone by the wayside, replaced with complacency, with greed. Replaced with the idea that I'm okay if I'm just a bit more generous than the person next door. And I wonder what it would mean for us to be radically generous again, to those who are in need, in big ways, in small ways. because we know this money isn't ours to begin beginning. Thirdly, did you notice that they were in fellowship together, seemingly all the time? You can see them meeting at the temple. Remember, they're Jewish Christians. Meeting at the temple would have been a normal thing for them to do, but they couldn't eat main meals at the temple, so they would continue to meet in each other's houses to eat and continue talking. And did you notice, did you remember who this fellowship is made of? It's there, 2-7, uh, if you go back a little bit. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, and the list goes on. This is who the fellowship is made up of, people from all countries. And of those people, 3,000 were born again. That's who was in the fellowship. And even amongst these people, some of them are the people who helped kill Jesus. Jesus, Peter points out in verse 23. This Jesus that you crucified. Do you think that would have been uncomfortable to suddenly meet together with 3,000 other people that you didn't know before? Do you think it would have been uncomfortable to meet with some of the people who were responsible for the death of your Messiah? Do you think it would have been awkward? Now, speaking as someone who's been awkward maybe once or twice in my life, You know what our modern-day fear of awkwardness really is? It's an idol. It's an idol. We idolize the idea that we should never be in a situation where we don't know what to do. It's idolizing the idea that we should always be in control of our social situations and never be uncomfortable. But there's no mention of that within this community. From day one, they meet together regularly in each other's homes, eating together, fellowshipping with each other. And I wonder if we could choose Fellowship and hospitality over avoiding the awkward situation. Choosing to love those who it is uncomfortable to love because that's what God has done for us. And fourthly, they pray and they praise God. Uh, So prayer is there in 42 and praise is there in 47. But do you notice what it's linked to? 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That is, the spirit of rejoicing, of thankfulness was so attractive to others that outsiders would come in and want to see what that was about. And I wonder if praise is something that we should turn inside out. Something that we do inside here so well. Thank you for the music team, for all their hard work. But how can we bring what we do inside here out there? How can your prayer and praise be so infectious that other people see it and say, How can you believe that God is so good? And your answer is, come, and I'll show you. Come on Sunday to this community and see what it's like. At least that's what it should be like. What we believe about community is proven in how we live as a community. Except there is one problem with all this, all of these descriptors. I wonder if you've noticed yet. Because, well, there are communities that do Some or all of these things that actually don't look completely like Acts. There are communities which memorize the scripture on Sunday and yet don't live them out during the week. There are communities which are incredibly generous from a sense of self-satisfaction and pride and so on. What is true Christian community? We have to make sure that we don't mistake the signs of community for the source of community. And the only source of Christian community is Jesus Christ. Remember how this community was created. See verse 38. These words created the community. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Knowing Jesus enables community to happen. Remember how I started with the paradox of vulnerability and how that makes distance within a community well, when you know that you're a sinner, that you are nothing before God, that you deserve nothing before the creator of the world, and yet that same creator sent Jesus to die for you and restore you to life, once that has happened, what else could you feel vulnerable about? See, the gospel cuts through the paradox of vulnerability because our sins have been forgiven, our shame has been pushed away. And so when you meet me and you... We both know Jesus and you come to me looking for vulnerability. I can be honest. I can show you myself as God has seen me. I have nothing left to hide. When you come to me and say, I've been struggling with the sin of pride, I don't say, really? I say, me too. Let's pray about that together. It means I can say to you, I'm struggling with depression or anxiety or self-image and I know you'll see me not in my shame, but as God sees me as a brother or sister in Christ. And not just you and me, but we can create community if we share with one another the way we've been vulnerable before God. That is the basis for a deep and loving community where we can be vulnerable with each other. All of these things happen in Acts 2. The Spirit brings us to study teaching of God's Word. We see the riches of the kingdom of God and so that we can be generous with the things that we have here. We can pray to our Heavenly Father. If you do not yet know what it is to be new in Jesus Christ, if you've not responded to verse 38 for yourself, come and find out what it means to do so. Because true Christian fellowship begins with being born again in Jesus Christ. But there's another reminder here that true Christian fellowship also changes the world. Because we've read about the first Christian church here, But the story continues, doesn't it? It continues with church after church being planted across Europe and Asia and Africa. It continues with Jesus being proclaimed century after century, changing the world for the better. It continues with the word being proclaimed in Erskineville and Newtown, 2,000 years after this community in Acts began. And it continues with you and whether you have responded to Jesus Christ and his call to be part of his community. Will you pray with me? Lord, help us to be your people, reflecting your love. As Jesus has saved us, so help us to rejoice in praise. As you have erased our shame, so help us to be a community that loves and cares deeply for one another. As you have given us your spirit, help us not to live as if we were alone anymore. For your glory, Lord.